Listen, it is my pleasure, it is my honor to present now Reverend Ronnell Peters. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise as he comes now to deliver the word of the Lord for us on today. Amen. Give it up again for our pastor, our senior pastor, Pastor Coldfield. Certainly giving God the honor and, and Jesus Christ, who's the Lord of my life, and to pastor in his absence and to the leadership of the Good Hope Church and to you, my family and friends. It's indeed a, a privilege to stand before you and proclaim God's word this morning to you. Our passage of scripture, before I do that, I just want to acknowledge my wife. She's here at the 10 o'clock service. So we just wave. Yeah, thank you, babe. Our passage of scripture is John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 39. John chapter 4, verse 39. It reads, from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all the things that I have done. I want to preach to you from the title of the power of a testimony. The power of a testimony. Let's pray. Father, we come and we thank you for this strategic hour. We thank you for an opportunity of worship and, Father, an opportunity to hear your word. And, Father, we pray that as your word goes forth, it doesn't go forth in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. It's in Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Imagine going to see a doctor and the doctor listens to all the reasons of why you're there. They examine you. They run all the necessary tests. They diagnose your problem. But they never get around to communicating or prescribing anything to make you well. Imagine having an attorney that represents you in your case and and they know and have important information that will set you free and give you the victory. But they never present it before the court. Imagine your house been on fire and the fire department show up with the firefighters and their truck and all their gear, but they simply get out, stand next to you, and watch your house burn, and they say, I'm sorry that you're having to go through this experience. None of that makes any sense whatsoever. Because in each case, those who have been equipped and empowered to make a difference fail to do so. So it is with the Christian, the Christ follower, spirit-filled, heaven-bound, covered in the blood, blessed and highly favored. But yet we've been given a life-changing message that we keep to ourselves and we fail to share it with others. And that message is your testimony. 
So this morning, the first thing I want you to understand is that your testimony gives others the opportunity to believe in Jesus. The text says, from that city, many of the Samaritans believed because of the word of the woman. Because she opened up her mouth and gave her testimony, it gave them an opportunity. If she doesn't open up her mouth, they don't get any opportunity. It's just that simple. And so God is telling you and I this morning that the key to others having an opportunity is us telling them our testimony. And you and I don't know how many opportunities God will give them. Yours may be the first, it may be the last, it may be the only one that they'll hear, or it may be the one that God is is waiting for them to hear to bring them to a saving faith in Christ. Your testimony is like the, the bait that's put on the end of a fish hook that's cast out into the water. You know, sometimes you get a bite and hopefully a fish is on the end. And sometimes you don't. But the fact that you cast your your hook out provides an opportunity. I mean, just think about Noah. Noah, uh, God gave him insider's information. Now, when, when you want to talk about being blessed and highly favored, what kind of inside information are you getting from God in terms of what he needed to build in order to be able to survive. And so, man, some say it was 120 years, some say it was 100 years, some say it was 60 years, but Noah, in building that ark, was showing the patience of God because God had intended and was planning on destroying all flesh on the earth. And so Noah's saying, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. As he's working by faith, it's going to rain. It was a testimony to those who was watching him build that ark. Think about Moses going in front of Pharaoh time and time again said, God says, let my people go. And then all the signs that was performed. So Pharaoh had ample opportunity to turn and understand that, man, the, Moses and the Israelites had the one and only true God. When you look through the Gospels and you see Jesus Christ testifying about who he, who he is, but also the miracles that he performed. They were so that all of those who, who were around could witness who he was. Your testimony provides others. It gives others the opportunity to believe in Jesus. And the text says that from that city. What, what city? The, the city that the woman was from. She went back to the place that, where she was from. Now, we, we read in the responsive reading what, what kind of reputation she had, what kind of lifestyle she had. But the fact that she had had an encounter with Jesus, the fact that, man, man her life had been changed, it didn't matter about her past. It didn't matter about her yesterday. It, it mattered about her today and her future. And that's what holds some of us back. Because we know that, man, how, how bad we were. We, we know, man, what we used to do. We know, and we know they know how we used to be. You know, how, how, the words we used to use, the places we used to go, the people we used to be with, the things that we used to do. They, they know. 
But man, let me share this with you because the, the greatest opportunity is with those who know. Because it, it demonstrates the power of God to be able to change a life. That's why when Paul talks about his testimony, he'll say, man, I was the worst of the worst. But nobody worse than me. I'm persecuting the church. And so he says, if, if there's hope for me, man, there's hope for you. That's the way you ought to look at your testimony. Man, if I, I know what God has done in my life, I know what God has done for me. And if he can do it for me, he'll do it for you as well. But you, gotta, you, 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 you have something powerful in your hand. You have something powerful in your life. Don't, don't, don't negate it. It's your testimony. And the text says that many of the Samaritans believed. Didn't say all of them. It said many. So everybody you tell your testimony to is not going to believe. But it's not your responsibility to save anybody. You can't save anybody. You couldn't save yourself. But it's your responsibility to make sure you tell others about what he's done for me. And give them that opportunity. First Corinthians. Paul's right. He's dealing with divisions because some were saying, I'm a Paul. And another was saying, I'm of Apollos. Are you not mere men? Just talking about the way that they're thinking. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. Even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the increase. All we are is planters and waterers. And you don't know which one you're doing. Thank God that, man, I don't have that responsibility of saving somebody. I just have the responsibility of telling my testimony, telling about what he's done for me. In Mark chapter 1, 44 through 45, but man, you go back and look at that because it's actually 40 through 45, and it's the testimony of the, the leper who had leprosy and how he came to Jesus. He decided he wasn't supposed to go to anybody but the priest. Okay, he did that. Look at Leviticus 13, 14. That's all who he was supposed to, to go see. But he decided to make a decision to come to Jesus. And when he came to Jesus, he said, man, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I'm willing, be clean. And he cleaned him. And then Jesus is telling him in, in this verse, he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But. As always, that but is that contrasting conjunction in terms of what he just said, contrasting with what he's, what he's finna say now or finna do. Because Jesus is saying, go back to the priest as a testimony to them. But all the priest could do was pronounce him clean or unclean. The priest couldn't tell how he got clean. And so this leper said, but he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. You, you ever had that happen to you because you gave your testimony? 
Because, man, everybody is man, so excited and everybody is saying, where is he at? How can I get to know him? But that's what happened here. When the Titanic went under, three messages had gone out saying, watch out for the icebergs. But because everything looked okay, those who got the messages failed to pass it on. They never communicated to those who needed it because they thought everything looked okay. And as a result, over 1,500 people lost their lives just simply because those who had the message kept quiet. God has given you and I a life-changing message. I know it may look like on the surface of people's lives, they got it all together. They got it going on. Man, they, 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 man, they, they are in who's who. But men, beneath the surface, there's a sin of unbelief that's got to be dealt with. And when you give your testimony, it gives them an opportunity to have Jesus Christ deal with that sin. How dare you be quiet when you've got the life-changing message? The text goes on. It says, from that city, many of them believe because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all things I have done. So your testimony is telling others about your encounter with Jesus. Said, who testified? To testify is to provide information about a person or an event from which the speaker has direct knowledge. It's to bear witness of something that you've seen with your own eyes, you've heard with your own ears, uh, you touch with your own hands, and man, you experienced it for yourself. And so she testified and said, man, this, this man told me all the things that I have done. And it was about her encounter. She summarized that. She didn't tell the whole story. And that's why in our responsive reading, you know, I wanted to read that so we could get the gist of what happened. Because it started with a conversation from Jesus about water. I mean, that's why she was coming to the well. But she wasn't expecting a man to be there, and especially a Jewish man to be there, and especially a Jewish man to be speaking to her or asking her for a drink of water. She was a Samaritan woman. But then Jesus stimulated the, the conversation. He stimulated her curiosity by saying, man, if, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asked you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink and he would have gave you living water. And so she wanted to start talking about, you're not greater than our father Jacob, and so Jesus struck down that comparison. He said, man, don't, don't get to comparing me with somebody else because I'm not like who you want to compare me with because, man, he gave you this well that you're coming to, but, man, the well that I can give you, you'll never thirst again because there's nobody like him. He's the only one can give life satisfaction, eternal life satisfaction. But then he specifically dealt with her sin. He said, go get your husband. And she had, to, she had to come clean. And she came clean. You know, every, everybody's not going to come clean, but she came clean. 
but quickly she diverted the conversation to the place of worship. And so Jesus spoke to the criteria that God desires for the people of worship, that God is looking for people who are worship in spirit and in truth. And then she revealed her desire, her, her expectation of the coming Messiah. And he solidified that hope by saying, I am he. That's the, the encounter that they had. And your, your, your responsibility is to tell, telling about your encounter with Jesus. I grew up in a middle-class family with both of my parents and three other siblings. At best, we were churchgoers, church attenders on most Sundays. I was pretty popular because I played the game of basketball and I excelled in the, in the classroom as well. I happened to have, be blessed and have an opportunity to go to college on a basketball scholarship. I know I'm standing 5'7", but you know, <laughs> uh, thank God I don't play in today's time. Uh, and I, I play as a fraternity and I got my degree in mechanical engineering. But I was lost. I was lost. I was selfish in my relationships. I was longing for meaning and purpose. I, I was seeking and searching to find my identity and the things that the world had to, to offer. I was lost. But thanks be to God, in the midst of job hunting, God closed door after door after door, fell opportunity after fell opportunity to get my attention. And I turned and started seeking, man, who, who is this God and what is this world all about? I, I remember most of the vehicles that I, I owned had a sunroof. And I remember just, man, the sunroof been back. Now, in Dallas, you could do that because you got dry heat. So even if it's 90, you can let the sunroof back. Houston, you can't do that. Yeah, and I would look up into the sky and go, wow, how did all this come about? And I was searching. I was searching for the answer. And I remember going to church one Sunday and a young minister by the name of Rod Joe preached a sermon called Vote Today. And he preached from Joshua 24, 15. And he says that it says, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose today who it is you will serve. Whether the gods of the fathers, which were but with them beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my house, we go serve the Lord. And he talked about when they were beyond the river, how the children of Israel was wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and and because of their unbelief in what God's promise was for them, and they was just wondering, going nowhere, never, never go be able to be where God would have them to be. And he says, some of your lives are just like that. 
up. I could just see my life just wondering and going nowhere, nowhere fast. And then he issued the invitation, and I got a chance to vote that day to give my life to Jesus Christ. And I can say, I was 25 then, I'm 60 now. Thanks be to God that I'm not what I used to be, but, but, but I am what I am by the grace of God. You too have an encounter with Jesus that you need to make sure you're telling over and over and time and time again, remembering it's your opportunity, it's your responsibility to tell, it's their opportunity to either receive or reject. Look at uh, verse Mark chapter 5, verse 18 and 20. This is when the demon-possessed man had been, had been healed. He was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. Wanted to go with Jesus. Don't we all? Man, we, we want to follow Jesus. And he did not let him, but he said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. I won't read the Timothy passage, but that's Paul's uh, testimony. And, you know, in Acts chapter 9 is when Paul uh, on the Damascus Road when Jesus appeared to him and it was his conversion. But Paul tells his testimony four other times in the 13 books that he writes, four other times in, in full colored pictures. So you get a chance, you read that. But the important thing is that, man, your testimony goes with you through life. And you get an opportunity as, as the Holy Spirit man, prompts you, you get an opportunity to tell it as often as you need be. The last point I want to give you is your testimony should invite others to come to Jesus. In verse 40, it says, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus. Well, how did they get there? Because the woman invited them. In, 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 chapter, I mean, in verse 29, it says, she said, come, see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? She issued an invitation. For them to come. She just didn't, didn't, didn't tell them her testimony and tell them what had happened. But man, she gave them an opportunity to come and meet Jesus for themselves. And that's what you and I should do. I mean, part of it, if we just tell my testimony and what he's done for me and, what he, and, and don't invite him, we're being selfish. But, man, we ought to want them to have what we've had. Now that, man, we have a newness in life. We have a fresh life, man. We, we, we have a, a different outlook on life. We, we have that eternal life. Wouldn't, wouldn't we want them to have it? And so we ought to invite others to do likewise. Hey, we, we invite them to everything else. You know, 
I mean, that especially that we, we deem is good and we, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. There is nothing more exciting than man being able to invite somebody to an opportunity to have a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ. I, I, I know that there's parties and celebrations that take place down here, but man, I tell you, it ain't going to be nothing like the one that's going to take place up there. And I want every, all my friends, I want everybody that I know that crossed my path to, man, have an opportunity to be there. You remember the old commercial, the, the uh, Alka-Salsa commercial, where they would take two tablets and they would drop them in the water and it'd go pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. And it was for your upset stomach. Well, when we give people a chance to accept Jesus Christ, and when they do, God drops the Holy Spirit in them. And it goes pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief he is. And we got to make sure we give him that opportunity. I want to close like this. After Jesus, there's a legend that's been told. After Jesus had been crucified and had been resurrected from the dead and returned to heaven, that the angels gathered around and they gazed at the, the wounds in his hand and feet. And they shuddered when they remembered the suffering that had taken place. And then there was silence. And then Gabriel spoke up and spoke out and said, Master, do you think that they really understand and appreciate what you've done for them? The sacrifice that you made? And Jesus replied and said, no, not yet. But some of those who are in Palestine do. And then Gabriel asked, what are you going to do to get the word out to everybody else? And Jesus said, well, I left Peter, James, and John, and a few others, and they're supposed to tell others who will in turn tell others who will in turn tell others until it gets out across the earth. And Gabriel, knowing the the, the nature of human beings asked Jesus, is there a plan B? <laughs> to Jesus' reply, he says, I have no other plan. I'm counting on them. And it's been centuries later, and I'm here to tell you, he has no other plan. It's up to you. And it's up to me to let everybody know to come meet a man, man, who told me all the things that I've done. Not, is this not the Christ? He is the Christ. He's the one and only that can make a difference in your life and in mine and in the life of others. You're, you have a powerful testimony, so go tell it. God bless you. God keep you.